الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين صدق الله العظيم Most respected one of my kiram, brothers and elders Last week we discussed some ayat of Surah Al-Fatiha. We discussed Ihdin al-Sirat al-Mustaqeem. The dua that Allah Ta'ala has made necessary upon us to ask in every rakat of every salah. So today we will discuss, though the sequence is going in the opposite direction, but Last week that came to mind and today this comes to mind that to discuss the ayat before it. Whatever Allah Ta'ala wills, whenever He wills, that is what happens. So the ayat in Surah Al-Fatiha that we recite, Allah Ta'ala makes us say that without the Surah Al-Fatiha, our salah is not going to be complete. So in every rakat of every salah, we keep reinforcing this in our hearts and minds that iyaka na'bud iyaka na'bud the construction Arabic grammar a person who is familiar with will understand that this brings the meaning of something that is confined iyaka na'bud ya Allah you alone do we worship a person just translates, translates it as you, we worship you. That is an incomplete translation and not a correct translation. It is that you alone do we worship, nobody else. We are your abds, your slaves. Now, Suratul Fatiha, as we repeatedly have been discussing, that this is something that every rakat, every salah, we have to recite it. Like the second and third rakat of the first salah, that's a separate issue now, the masla. But in any case, besides that, we have to recite this in every salah. And therefore, there is great significance in every letter and every word of the surah for us. The whole Quran Sharif is very significant for us. The whole Quran Sharif is filled with hidayat for us. But this is Ummul Quran. It is the mother of the entire Quran Sharif, the source, the root. And the fact that this has to be recited every day, every salah. So in this, after having praised Allah Ta'ala, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, now a person every day, every rakat, every salah, he's saying, Iyaka na'bud. Ya Allah, you alone do we worship. We are your abds, your slaves. 
What is this abdiyat, the slavery, the servitude that is being discussed? Is this something just like how nowadays somebody is a servant? He is a servant, the servant also has many rights. And he can also make demands. And he can also have choices. The servant has choices. I will do this, I won't do that. This is fine, that is out. So are we like that servant of this time and age? Or are we something that is beyond the slaves of the time that have passed? Hazrat Hassan Basri Rahmatullah he once bought a slave from the marketplace and came. In those days, slavery was still carrying on. So he bought a slave and came from the marketplace. So when he brought him home, he asked him, what's your name? So that slave replied and said, that what name does a slave has? Whatever his master calls him, that is his name. Very well. Says, well, what will you eat? Because everybody has to eat, even a slave has to eat. So what will you eat? So he says, what does a slave eat? He eats what the master gives him. He doesn't have any choice, doesn't have any demand or any preference. Whatever the master gives him, that's his food. Okay, what will you wear? What kind of clothes you will wear? What kind of clothes I will wear? What the master gives me to wear is what I will wear. Where will you stay? What kind of place? How you want to sleep? Since wherever the master gives me some space to sleep, I will sleep. So after he asked these questions and each time the slave answered in this way, Hazrat Hassan Basir fell unconscious. He fainted. After some time he came back to his consciousness. So those who were around, they became very surprised. What happened? You were talking to the slave. There was a conversation carrying on. You were asking him some questions. He was giving some answers. And then out of the blue, you suddenly just fainted. What happened? So then he replied and said, Ahlullah, they don't take things just at the surface as we do. We see big, big signs of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala himself, so to say, complains about it. وَكَأَيِّمْ مِنْ آيَةٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ يَمُرُّونَ عَلَيْهَا وَهُمْ عَنْهَا مُعْرِضُونَ How many huge signs of Allah Ta'ala are there in the heavens and on the earth? Allah Ta'ala says they just pass by it and just ignore it. Don't take any lesson from it. Don't reflect. Don't ponder that this is a great creation of Allah Ta'ala Allah Ta'ala who's created this great creation. So what is the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala? What is His might? What is His power? And I want to disobey Him? I want to challenge Allah Ta'ala? The sun, what a huge creation this is. And every day to the T, not one second before time, not one second after time, that particular cycle, how it's supposed to go, what time it's supposed to appear at that spot, that is where it comes. And ages have passed. And not one second before or after its appointed time. And it's going in that fulfilling its duty. And that power that Allah Ta'ala has placed in it. That if insan could have harnessed one fraction, one small little minute fraction of the sun's energy. 
then there wouldn't be load shedding ever in South Africa again. Forget South Africa, the whole world. One small fraction, but that to insan is ajiz. He is totally helpless from doing that. He can't. What he manages to harness in some way, solar power and so on, is a very, very, very minute fraction. He can't even do more than that. So in any case, these are all signs of Allah Ta'ala. And the Ahlullah see these signs and recognize Allah Ta'ala. Hazrat Rabia Basriya Rahmatullah this aspect of taking a lesson from things, looking at things, taking a lesson, hearing something, taking a lesson. Not just looking at things on the surface, only with the eye of dunya, only what value has this got in terms of rands and cents. Not that. Something beyond that. Something that takes one closer to Allah Ta'ala. Something that reminds one of the akhirat. Hazrat Rabia Basriya Rahmatullah somebody presented a roasted chicken in front of her. So she started crying. So the person was surprised, is this the time to cry? Or something happened? This is something to be happy about. Somebody presented something to you. She says, no, that is his place. I just got overcome by some thought. And that thought made me cry. So excuse me for this, but it was just something that overcame me in that moment. Now this is that lesson. She saw something, and where did the mind go to immediately? Now this is the thing that we call mindset. One is to engage in some a'mal, mashallah, very good. But is the mindset deen or dunya? A person with the mindset of deen also will engage in his day-to-day work, he'll also run his business, he'll also conduct his life, all the various needs of life, he'll also carry on with. He'll also have whatever Allah Ta'ala has blessed him with, the wealth of the world, he'll also have. But his mindset is deen, then he will look at everything with the eye of deen. And if a person's mindset is dunya, then he will be even in the Haram Sharif, he'll be in front of Kaaba Sharif, and that too, in that place, in that time also, it might be the 27th night of Ramadan also, but his mind will still be somehow circling in dunya, that now when I get back, how am I going to try and pass that, what I already bought, pass the customs without getting having to get caught in it. So he'll be sitting there in front of Kaaba Sharif, he'll be sitting there on the 27th night of Ramadan also, but the whole focus will be dunya, that now, this was very cheap here, so I bought it, but now I have to pass it without having to pay any custom duty. So now he'll make dua for that too and his mind will also be focusing in that. This is just one something in passing, one example. So as Rabia Basriya, she says, that this, this just overcame me that moment, this thought overcame me. Why? Because her mind was all focused in deen. So even dunya, outwardly what was dunya, was being looked at with the eye of deen. She says, when I saw this roasted chicken, my mind went immediately to this direction that how fortunate this chicken is. How fortunate this chicken is. That before anything else was done, because afterwards it was skinned, it was, the skin was taken out, it was defeathered, then the skin was removed, and then it was roasted in this fire. But before all this happened, it was first slaughtered. So after it was slaughtered, his life was gone. Now that his life was gone, all this roasting and everything had no, there was no pain involved in it for, because the life was gone. 
So mashallah, this is so fortunate that before it got roasted, his life was gone already. Allah forbid, if I don't leave this dunya in a way that Allah Ta'ala is pleased with me. And if I'm thrown into Jahannam, I'll get roasted alive. This chicken was roasted after it was slaughtered, after death. I will get roasted alive. This is a thought that crossed my mind. And I just became overwhelmed with this thought, which made me cry. So in any case, Hassan Basir brought the slave and he asked him all these questions. And the slave replied. And then suddenly he fainted. So people asked him what happened? Why did you faint? So he says that the slave taught me what it means to be the slave of Allah Ta'ala. And I asked him what will you eat? He says whatever the master feeds me. What's your name? What the master calls me. What you'll wear? What the master gives me to wear. Where you'll sleep? Wherever the master makes me sleep. Says he has no desire of his own. He has no demand of his own. He has surrendered himself to his master. And this is the meaning of Islam. Total surrender. Person gives himself over. So this slave has taught me what it means to be the slave of Allah Ta'ala. And that is what we keep reaffirming in every rakat that we recite. Iyaka na'bud. Ya Allah, you alone do we worship. We don't worship anybody else. We don't worship our ego. We don't worship our desires. We don't worship anyone, Ya Allah. We only worship you. Now this ibadat is a very comprehensive word. It includes everything. And unfortunately, we confine it. Ibadat includes obviously a person having the right beliefs. That is the very basis of ibadat. Then together with that, his ibadat meaning his salah, his zakat, his fasting, his hajj, all this being in place. That too is ibadat. And to what extent? Allah's Nabi wasallam, it is his last moments of life in dunya. And he is so sick, so ill, so weak, that he loses consciousness. After a while he regains consciousness, so immediately the first question he asks the Sahaba, that has the Salah been performed or not? So those who are around him reply that no, not yet. The Sahaba are waiting for you. They're in the masjid, they're waiting for you. So Nabi Salaam says, bring the water, let me make ghusl. Because he had lost consciousness, so he said, let me make ghusl. So he makes ghusl. He's very weak, so he's helped to be, to take a ghusl. And this exertion now, he again is so exhausted that before he can now wake up to go to the masjid, he slips into unconsciousness again. Who? Allah's Rasul sallallahu who's masoom, who's sinless. And his whole life dedicated to Allah Ta'ala. And now in this condition, he is trying his utmost to make his salah in the masjid with jama'ah. So he slipped into unconsciousness again. So after a while, again, as soon as he comes back into consciousness, first question, is the salah over? He says, no, no, not yet. They're waiting for you. Say, so let me take a ghusl again. 
Nabi Salaam takes a ghusl for the second time. Now again he's about to try to get to the masjid and he falls unconscious for the once more. So after some time again he regains consciousness. The same question again. That what has what is the case? Has the salah been performed? See now they're waiting for you. Let me take ghusl again. But now when he tries again, it's now too much. He's too weak. Can we imagine in this condition, after having lost consciousness twice, Nabi Islam is saying, still I want to try and get to the masjid. But when that too didn't work out for the third time, then Nabi Islam says, that Muru Aba Bakrin Fal Yusalli Bin Nas. That now give Abu Bakr the instruction that he should perform the salah. He should lead the salah as the Imam. And Nabi Islam performed his salah now in his home with some others following him or with him. But in that condition also, in the last phase of life, when he was so weak physically that he couldn't even wake up now. But as soon as he's gaining consciousness, three times, first question, is the salah already performed or not? And let me take ghusl again, I want to go and perform my salah. Abdiyat, surrendering oneself to Allah Ta'ala, this too is part of it. This too is part of it. And this is one of the greatest aspects of this surrender. And this is the biggest, one of the biggest daily tests of this surrender. If you look at how these salahs have been spread out during the day, it could have been so easy, we might think it in that way, so easy at the beginning of the day, if we were allowed to just make five salah. It'll take half an hour, it'll take 45 minutes, all five salah, one time, chutti the rest of the day. Carry on. Allah forbid, as it is, Fajr time, sometimes we can't wake up, all five would have gone. But in any case, that is not the way it is. You wake up for Fajr, from the middle of the sleep, a person is in the depths of his sleep now. Say, no, you don't carry on sleeping now, you are the Abd of Allah Ta'ala. So you leave your sleep for Allah Ta'ala now. You display your level of surrender and your loyalty to Allah Ta'ala. That your sleep can stay behind, but Allah Ta'ala's command is first. So now you wake up and come to the masjid. So now the person woke up and came. Now he goes to work, and in the midst of all his work, in the midst of the busiest time of the day maybe, in the middle of the day, now don't get too involved in dunya, that dunya becomes your be all and end all. Stop now, you were too long in dunya, go back to the masjid now. Put a halt to everything. And sometimes that becomes a big test. One person told me, Asar Salah in winter for business people, very difficult. They say, Allah Ta'ala, this is Allah Ta'ala's nizam. That it won't be the same time all the time also. Summer will be a different time. Winter will be a different time. And the test will come, summer, winter. That Allah Ta'ala is putting a person to the test. Whose servant are you? Whose abd are you? So now, Zuhar in the middle of the day, come back to the masjid, perform your salah now. And then now he's gone back into his work, in his business, in his job, in whatever his occupation is. Uh, drop everything again and come for Asar. Now the person finished the day's work, he wants to go home, no, you need your Maghrib first. Now he's tired, he wants to go to bed, you wait, perform your Isha first. So in this whole system of the five Salah, how it has been spaced out, that the whole day he's being reminded, I am the Abd of Allah Ta'ala. And every rakat he'll come and recite the same ayat. Iyaka na'bud. 
Ya Allah, you alone do I worship. You alone do we worship. I don't worship anything else. I don't worship my business. I don't worship my job. I don't worship my profession. I don't worship the wealth of dunya. I don't worship the material things. Ya Allah, I worship you alone. I don't worship power. I don't worship position. I don't worship anything, Ya Allah, I worship you alone. That repeated reminder. So Allah's Nabi Wasallam is in the last moments of life. And then too that salah is not being missed and every effort is being made to perform it with jama'ah in the masjid. So when Nabi Wasallam, and then as he's leaving dunya, what is on his Mubarak tongue? As-salah wa ma malakat aymanukum. The wasiyat, the parting advice of Rasulullah to the ummad. That be very careful about your salah and how you treat your slaves and servants. Be very, very conscious about this. Very careful about it. The parting words of Rasulullah as he's leaving dunya. Can we imagine 23 years of nubuwad? How many things, how many sacrifices, how many mujahadas uh, he had to make, what not he had to do. So now this is the end of it, of this mission being completed. So this would be the real the cherry on the top as we would call it. That hukukullah and hukukul ibad is all encompassed in this. As-salah includes all the hukukullah. But what was used to convey the message is salah. That all the hukukullah, this encompass is encompassed in salah. And how one treats his slaves and servants, that's the whole branch of hukukul ibad. So in any case, this was Nabi Islam's importance to salah, ibadat, abdiyat. I'm a total abd of Allah Ta'ala. So whether it is how a person's salah, his fasting, his zakat, his hajj, that is also part of ibadat. And then together with that, he's a complete abd. Therefore Allah Ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu dhulu fissilmi kafa. O you who believe, enter into silm. Silm means Islam. But the literal meaning of silm, another word, another meaning of it is that a person makes peace. When two parties make peace, وَإِن جَنَحُوا لِسَّلْمِ فَجْنَحْ لَهَا وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ Allah Ta'ala is saying to Nabi Wasallam, if the enemy wants to make peace, then you also make peace, no problem. So Allah Ta'ala is saying, make peace with Allah Ta'ala. Make peace with Allah Ta'ala totally. And literally what it refers to is enter into Islam totally. Kafa. You enter totally into total Islam. Not one leg in, one leg out. If a person comes to the masjid, then he doesn't come that he puts one foot inside and one foot outside and he says, well I went to the masjid. He comes in entirely. Comes, he performs his salah and he leaves. So likewise, Islam, a person has to enter totally, entirely. Now whether it comes to the aspect of his ibadat, then too he's totally inside. Whether it is his monetary dealings, how does he conduct his business? How does he deal? Those transactions that he engages in, is it something that he just does what he wants to do? Does he first inquire his social life? Does he first inquire how must he go about it? Asma radiallahu ta'ala anha, the daughter of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anha, she had now migrated to Madinah Munawwara 
her mother Hazrat Abu Bakr had divorced her before Islam Hazrat Aisha's mother was Umm Ruman late Hazrat Abu Bakr had married Umm Ruman Aisha was born from Umm Ruman his previous wife Qayla she was the mother of Asma radiallahu ta'ala anha so she hadn't accepted Islam after the treaty of Hudaybiyah now it was possible for people from Makkah Sharif to come to Madinah Munawwara people from Madinah Munawwara to come because the hostilities had all stopped so now her daughter was gone many many years ago so she decided to come to Madinah Munawwara now this is the mother and on the other side Asma is the daughter the daughter has those feelings as well for her mother when her mother comes she comes with a lot of gifts with some jewelry and various things she's coming to see her daughter after such a long time but she's still a mushrika now she comes to Madinah Manowara and she now inquires where is her daughter and now she wants to come enter the house now can we imagine this meeting of mother and daughter after such a long period and after such difficult circumstances where they didn't even know whether they'll see one another again so what an emotional moment this would have been Asmaradnara says to her like just hold on I don't know about this yet who is she staying to? her mother I can't unfortunately let you come in still and I cannot even accept your gifts I first need to inquire from Rasulullah what is the position now this is such an emotional moment but the lesson she is teaching is that a mu'min doesn't just get swept away by emotions and whatever the emotions come we just go with it if at that time a person is very emotional in terms of grief, then anything would just go because a person is in grief. And a person is in the emotion of happiness because he is excited and now he is thrilled about something, then everything can just happen as he wants because now he is so excited about something. And if a person now is in a moment of some emotional meeting with somebody, after years he is meeting someone, then he forgets everything. So she says to her mother, just hold on, I first need to find out about this. She sends a message to Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala and her sister that please inquire from Rasulullah sallallahu My mother has come and she wants to meet with me. Can I allow her to come in? Can I be accommodate her? Can I entertain her? Nabi sallallahu sends a message immediately. Yes, by all means. Let her come in. And siliha. Be good to your mother. It's your mother after all. And Allah ta'ala reveals the ayat of the Quran Sharif at that time also. That Allah ta'ala does not forbid you those who have not removed you from your homes those who have not fought against you and are committing this crime against you Allah Ta'ala hasn't forbidden you from being good to them and being just to them you must be just to them and be good to them also but the lesson here is that she didn't just get swept away by emotions. She waited. She inquired. And after having been given an answer, she now acted upon it. So she kept all her emotions under check. And it must have been a very trying moment. What if I'm, a, if I'm told that no, you can't meet her? But she was ready for that. She said, if my heart breaks, it breaks for Allah Ta'ala. But this is the thing that we have unfortunately, this is part of this abdiyat, this abd iyaka na'bud, 
Ya Allah, I worship you alone. I don't worship my emotions. I don't worship my desire. If my desire breaks, my heart breaks, then it breaks for Allah. Ta'ala. Doesn't matter. Sheikh Hazrat Mawashah Hakimud Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullah one beautiful poem of his, one couplet of his. On this note about this breaking of the heart, that this brings some kind of grief. But if that grief is taken in the right, right stride, if a person accommodates this grief with the right mindset, then this grief no more is just grief, that grief becomes a joy. So in one couplet he says, that in se kuch fasle mufid rahe. In se kuch fasle mufid rahe. Mere ayyame ghambi eid rahe. Un se kuch fasle meaning un is referring to all this haram beauty, all the non mahrams, all the women and whatever else that are haram on a person. So he says keeping the distance away from them, keeping them at a good distance. Normally you say you must keep their one arm's distance, it's too close then. One arm's distance is extremely dangerous. Must be out of sight. So, he's saying, Unse kuch fasle mufid rahe. Keeping them at a distance was very beneficial for me. Mere ayyame gham bi eid rahe. Ayyame gham, the days of my grief. The grief of breaking the heart for Allah Ta'ala. Now that grief. When a person is trampling his desire, there's some, now the desire is tugging in one direction. And he's pulling in another direction. So in this tug of war that happens within him, his heart breaks, there's some grief in there, his eye now is being pulled in one direction to look at some haram, to look at some woman passing by. And the fear of Allah Ta'ala in his heart is telling him, don't do this. So now he decides, I'm not doing it. In that there is some pain in the heart, that is the grief, the gham. But this gham now he's undertaking for Allah Ta'ala. He says, Mere gham bi eid rahe. That days of grief also became Eid for me. Because Allah Ta'ala now blessed my heart with His Qurb, with His closeness. When this heart was broken for His pleasure. When the heart was broken for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. One is a mujahada that a person undertakes voluntarily. Voluntarily, he undertakes a mujahada. For example, now after Maghrib, somebody came into the masjid. He came in the masjid Maghrib time. Now after Maghrib, he started performing his nawafil. And now he said, I'm going to perform nafil right up to Isha time. There's a mujahada. There's so many things that he wants to go and just relax or whatever. He's undertaking a mujahada. Somebody wakes up for tahajjud in the middle of the night. Now he's giving up his sleep. MashaAllah, a very, very great ibadat. And a great mujahada also. And a person should try to undertake some of this at least. So one is a voluntary mujahada and indeed this takes a person close to Allah Ta'ala. But the extent to which the voluntary mujahada takes a person, that too is in his place, what this involuntary mujahada of this nature, that way a person for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, now he is being tugged in one direction. So now he is having to suppress that desire. Now there is a mujahada within him. He didn't want this situation to come about. That way he is now going to have to struggle within himself. This just came about now. Out of the blue, somebody passed by and his eyes were now caught up in that direction for one accidental moment. So he immediately put his gaze low. 
And now there is this tug of war within him. So now there's a mujahada. But he undertakes this mujahada, keeping Allah Ta'ala's accountability in front of him. Keeping in mind, Allah is watching me. This too is a mujahada. A few moments of this involuntary mujahada within. For our understanding, if we just say, for example, that tahajjud that a person woke up for, if that takes him maybe a hundred kilometers ahead, just as an example, just to understand it, a hundred kilometers ahead, then this few moments of this mujahada will take him a thousand kilometers ahead. These few moments of this mujahada, the struggle within, in order to keep oneself away from what Allah Ta'ala has forbidden, or in order to make oneself fulfill what Allah Ta'ala has commanded. And there's this laziness at that moment, there is this uh, pull from within to not go to the masjid, for example, or not fulfill whatever Allah Ta'ala's command is. And a person at that time says, come what may, I have to do what Allah Ta'ala has commanded. And come what may, I'm not going to commit this wrong. That mujahada will take him a thousand kilometers in a few moments. So this is that ibadat, that abdiyat, that in every facet of life, every aspect of life, a person has totally surrendered himself to Allah Ta'ala. And every time he recites Surah Al-Fatiha, every time he says, Iyaka na'bud, Ya Allah, you alone do I worship. He is bringing all these things into the picture. Ya Allah, whether it is my ibadat, my salah, whether it is my mu'amalat, all the other ibadat as well, whether it is my dealings, whether it is my mu'asharat, my social life, whether it is my akhlaq, whether it is what happens inside my heart. Allah, everything I have surrendered to you. And everything is in your worship. From head to toe, I am in your worship. My mind, my heart, my desires, everything is surrendered to you. So this is iyaka na'bud. And when reciting Surah Al-Fatiha, we are supposed to be letting our mind for a moment move to this direction. To remind ourselves that I am from head to toe the abd of Allah Ta'ala. In every aspect of life. I have got no desire of my own. No desire of my own in the sense that the desire that comes, if it does not conform to what Allah Ta'ala wants, I will sacrifice that. So this abdiyat is what we have to acquire, this is what we have to inculcate in our lives, become the total slaves of Allah Ta'ala. For this we have to keep making this effort upon ourselves by means of keeping ourselves in the path of deen, the ma'mulat that we are prescribed with, or the tasbihat, etc., tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, then constantly communicating with our seniors, with our elders, whatever they, the situations may be, keeping ourselves in the environments of deen, whether it is the majalis that take place, coming out in the path of Allah wa ta'ala sometimes, whether it is a weekend, whether it is three days in the month, whether it is the talim that takes place in the masjid, all the efforts of deen, the whole object and purpose is the same. To become the true abd of Allah Ta'ala. Become the abd of Allah Ta'ala ourselves, and others also to become the abd of Allah Ta'ala. So all these efforts, whether it is the work of da'wat and tabligh, whether it is the work of tasawuf and islah, whether it is talim, and whether it is any other branch of deen, the end point and the objective and purpose of all is the same. So the thing is to become the true abs of Allah wa ta'ala. For that we have to make these 
little sacrifices. Sacrificing this little time, this effort, which will help us to sacrifice those haram things that come in our way. And get it out of our way, those things that become the obstacle and the barriers between us and getting to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. May Allah ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wanan alhamdulillah. Recite the Ruchari. Bima huwa ahlu La ilaha illallah 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 
Allah, 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 Muhammad Rasulullah, Sallallahu Tabaraka wa Ta'ala alayhi wa sallam. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين وألحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين إله العالمين يا الله forgive us يا الله Allah forgive all our major and minor sins ya Allah Allah forgive our families ya Allah forgive our relatives and friends ya Allah Allah forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam ya Allah make your make us your true servants and slaves ya Allah Ilahul alamin let us become complete slaves from head to toe to you alone ya Allah Ilahul alamin ya Allah save us from the slavery of nafs and shaitan ya Allah Allah save us from the slavery of our desires ya Allah Allah save us from the slavery of our ego ya Allah Ilahul alamin ya Allah grant us the akhlaq of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam Ilahul alamin Ya Allah, let us enter into Islam completely and totally, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah. Save us from following the ways of nafs and shaitan, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from the ways of the Yahud and Nasara, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us the true love of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Grant us the love of his Mubarak Sunnah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us the tawfiq of following the way of life of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, fill our hearts with your love, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove all the evil qualities from our hearts, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, put all the good qualities in our hearts, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, all those Sick, give them shifa, kamila, ajila, mustamira, daima. Ya Allah, all those who have passed away, fill their qabrs with nur, Ya Allah. Make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. At the time of our death, take us with the kalima, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Ya Allah, take us on iman kamil, Ya Allah. Take us on tawbat and nasuh, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make our qabrs gardens of jannah for us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, give us the shifarish and the intercession of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, grant us jannatul firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, Ya Allah, all those who are, Ya Allah, any kind of difficulty and hardship, remove their difficulties and hardships with ease and afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, Ya Allah, grant us the best of dunya and the best of akhirat, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nasaluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa na'udhu bika min sharri masta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balagh wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-ali al-azim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi Sayyiduna Muhammad wa آله وصحبه أجمعين والحمد لله